to the Transitional Wisdom Podcast, where Nash and I discuss all things trans and queer-related from a variety of different perspectives. Today, we have a very special guest we'd like to introduce. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Samira. I'm, uh, my pronouns are they, them. I live in California. I currently live in the Bay Area in Oakland. I go to law school at Berkeley, and I'm happy to be here. Welcome. Okay. Um, yeah, great. Um, I think oh, I'm not supposed to move my phone and I just did that. Uh, don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think some of the topics that I would like to explore today would be, um, I think, I think, um, I think the loudest thing for me right now is understanding, uh, navigating how, hormones affect the way you're positioned in the world and whether or not that necessarily needs to affect how you see yourself and how gender could be, um, you know, gender in a lot of ways is a manifestation of how you interact with the world uh, when the world is this gendered, but um, how much that needs to affect our sense of self, like how much my gender identity has to um, be cornered on how the world sees me and how it shapes my external experiences versus how I feel about myself. Um, I think it took me a long time to understand the difference between gender ex expression and identity. And uh, before starting Hormone, uh, I had a very specific under like idea of what I wanted to look like. And I assumed that with that way that I would look, then I would then feel a certain way about myself. Um, but just approaching, what is it now, eight months on hormones um, and realizing that I'm, I am beginning to look, I am looking the way I've always thought, you know, I should look or like I wanted to look, but it's not, it doesn't change, you know, it didn't come with like these feelings of um, that would all of a sudden be like a different gender in my head. Like um, how I very much still feel um, non-binary or like gender non-congruent and um, although my experiences on the outside have changed where the world sees me as like a man I kind of see that as like funny and like entertaining and amusing and not necessarily um, the product of like an internal change in how I see my gender identity okay yeah um, when when you started your transition did you originally identify as binary female to male or yeah you no I think I was so I was so I took every step really slow because I feel like I was 
I learned early on that I was like very paralyzed with like the fear of like what next. And so I went to, I had a gender therapist for like a year and the whole time I just say, kept saying like, you know, well, if I do X, then I need to do Y, Z mm -hmm. and I'm not ready for, you know, Z. And my therapist who was also trans was sort of like, you know, like take each question, you know, step by step. Like, for example, you can answer the question of whether or not you're trans without it necessarily meaning you need to take hormones or not, mm -hmm. or without it necessarily meaning you have to, you know, get any sort of gender affirming surgery. So I think because of that, I started, even when I started hormones, I didn't really, I didn't change my pronouns. I kind of just like every step was sort of, I would just be like, yeah, like, and, and like this idea that like transitioning is like a moving target. Um, like I didn't sort of have this checklist. And so, you know, one day I woke up and I was like, you know what, I'm kind of sick of she, like, I don't really, I'm not really loving it. Um, and then slowly that became like a bigger deal for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think um, I spent early on, I kept thinking, you know, am I female to male? Do my parents have to call me their son? Like, uh, do I have to change my name? All of these little thoughts that now I'm just sort of like, I take it day by day, I guess. Like, yeah. Right now, I'm cool with my name. Like, right now, mm -hmm. my parents don't have to call me their son. And if that changes, that changes, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really awesome approach. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting to hear, like, you say a lot of that stuff. You know, as somebody who does identify more binary, it's very interesting mm -hmm. to me to hear, like, everything you said makes complete sense. Like, not mm -hmm. that, not that you know, you need my <laughs> validation, but <laughs> all of that yeah. makes sense to somebody who's not who does not identify that way, I'm able to very easily understand what you mean. I'm mm. able to, I'm able to like understand then how that, I don't know the right wording. Like that, that makes it just, that, that was a great way of explaining it. <laughs> I can understand, you know, exactly how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, like I think, um, I think, you know, part of it was also informed by like, I guess my politics where, um, I was looking at like what kind of transness is like most palatable to like six cis folks to like understand. Mm -hmm. And it was one story um, that is completely valid, but in, the, in a lot of ways is easier for cis people to like understand. And yes. that's why like there are certain trans people in the community who are propped up when they follow a lot of conventional standards of, you know, whiteness, beauty, affluence, like all of those things, talent, um, and I was sort of, that was intimidating to me. That was like, I don't know if I want all of that. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, so, um, I, I, on one hand, like visibility is important, but, um, I mean, in, in many respects, visibility is important, but I think, um, being visible, like, you, we have to balance that between representation amongst all facets. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think when you start centering it around the one, you know, the one prevalent, you know, quote unquote, acceptable or more palatable uh, trans uh, experience, it's very invalidating and dangerous, you know, to people like you and I who, you know, don't follow that binary, you know, narrative of maybe like, you know, trapped in the wrong body and uh, always known since you were four or five years old and all these, you know, certain things It can be very, uh, definitely validating to a lot of people who didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and I, I felt like in a lot of ways, I felt um, like I tried really hard, you know, to stick to that story. And in a lot of ways, you know, I had this typical story of like, mm -hmm. when I was five, I was trying to pee standing up. And like, 
I would watch, you know, like just stupid little, not stupid, important, but like little stories mm-hmm. like that, that I was trying to use as like the sort of like validation that I really mm-hmm. am this thing. And I think one of my, like one of the fa- my favorite things that my therapist had told me um, was that a lot of people who are like um, navigating their gender identity start with the assumption that they're cis and then have to disprove that as opposed to starting with the assumption that you're not that you're not anything right. that your your gender is not determined and then choose it from there and then from there relate that to your assigned at birth and then you will know you know if okay. you're cis identifying or trans identifying and then when i realized that when i realized that like i don't need to prove it to people like i don't need to point out to my mom and dad every time i wore boys clothes and not girls clothes and like you yeah. know all the like you know, I say those in quotes, boys and girls clothes. But like, mm-hmm. when you realize that you don't like, I, I like so much of that was to prove that like we're somehow or I was somehow like worthy of feeling more comfortable in my body. And like, this is talked about a lot that like we focus more on dysphoria than like euphoria, and like dysphoria is super valid, and I experience a lot of dysphoria. But it's this sort of like, in order to have this like self determination, you needed to have hated. Yes. Um, and for a lot of people, that's super valid. They did have that experience. But like to pinpoint transness on like struggle and like self hatred as opposed to like self determination and discovery. Um, or, yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of like a, you know, a content warning, but it's like sort of like an alternative to like suicide. It's like mm-hmm. if you were going to die, then yeah, sure, you can transition. But if you could just like live with it. Right. Um, just you know go about your day by day then like why don't you do it's like assuming that you should stay closeted if mm-hmm. you... like that's even an option sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, but yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i kind of lost my i just started rambling well but... how, how have things how have things like helped to um either like open your eyes or shape the way that you do view yourself mm. um like you know outs outside outside of yourself like how have those things affected you um you mean like experiences with like the outside world yeah experience yeah with or even yeah experiences of the outside world in in real life or like maybe on tv like you know we're talking about visibility how how has any of that shaped you like i know how there has been certain things that have helped or hurt me i'm curious like what would your experience be with that stuff yeah um so i think one of the I think one of the biggest things that like hormones provided me was I think before starting hormones, I was, um, I was so caught up in, I spent so much mental and physical energy hiding, um, my gender or like, uh, like, like hiding the fact that like overcompensating for the fact that people would assume I was female. So I spent so much time wrapped up in that. And now with hormones and like the sort of baseline assumption is that a male, I, ha- I have to spend, expend so much less energy on my own gender identity and be able to connect more broadly with the trans community. Um, I've been watching, I mean, I've been, I watched it in like three days pose. Um, <laughs> and I, um, seeing that representation, one, like the fact that it centered, um, trans women, I thought obviously is extremely important. Um, But just seeing the complexities of um, gender oppression, like fetishization, um, 
the sort of complicated navigation of um, getting gender affirming surgeries and how to navigate the world like with the gen like with the genitals that you're more comfortable with but then also this sort of focus on like that's what made them real women and like whether or not that was I don't know if y'all have seen those so I hope I'm not no, like I haven't, no, I haven't okay. finished it um but yeah it, like you know it, they just constantly you know talk about these sort of these things that are deeply personal to these people to valid uh, to like feel more aligned in their bodies but then was also sort of used as this like metric of like transness and like your uh. deserts of like whether or not you're a true woman um i thought that was a really interesting and then there was also like a third element of um what how their popularity like their sexual popularity would change depending on whether or not they had had bottom surgery um so i thought that was um I don't know if cis people watch Pose or if cis people watch anything <laughs> trans-related and think the way, you know, think about the things that we're thinking about. Um, but seeing that representation and seeing it transness get mainstream, but in a way that wasn't, like, robbed of our voices. Um, you know, it's an all-trans cast. Like, the trans people are played by trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have that sort of... And it was centered on people who have you know who are HIV positive and you know black and brown people and mm-hmm. all of that was like I think that has really helped me see the normalization of trans bodies and trans struggle and trans storylines um, in a way that's not just a spectacle I guess yeah As that makes sense direction <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to watch that show <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's it sounds really, great. <laughs> yeah, I binged it super hard. Um, <laughs> and then I think, um, I think, sort of on the opposite end, I think, um, as I now, like, as I navigate, like, masculinity, um, I think I have sort of, I think, like I said before, I, early on, I spent so much time trying to, like, emulate masculinity um, because I wasn't assumed to have that. And now that it's assumed, I have way more time to like critique it mm. because now people are treating me ways that I'm like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> like yeah. this summer I had a job um, in law school. You have to have like a summer internship. And I just remember um, one time, so I was like, I'm a pescatarian, so I only eat, like I don't eat meat, but I eat fish. And they were like ordering lunch and they asked, you know, for dietary restrictions and I was like oh like just get me a tuna sandwich instead of a turkey one so they got two tuna sandwiches just so it's not like just one in case another person wanted it and then one of the secretaries saw the tuna sandwich and was like oh my god like if they if it's left over like can you steal me like half a tuna sandwich I love tuna and I was like yeah totally so after um after the talk there was there was half a tuna sandwich left so I went I, I packaged it and I went to give it to her and she was like, no, like, I can't accept this. Like, you should eat it. And I was like, no, like, I already had two. Like, I'm totally fine. And she was like, no, like, you're a growing young man. Like, you really need to eat. Like, you know, protein is really important. You really need to build those muscles, this and that. And it's like, 
growing up as like throughout my whole life generally pretty overweight like growing up through all of that no one has ever told me to eat more like no one has ever told me that I need to eat more yeah it was okay now (laughs) yeah and then all of a sudden like I I have the same if anything like my arms and shoulders are bigger now than they ever were and all of a sudden this woman is telling me that I need to eat more than two sandwiches like I had Uh and here she is telling me to eat more um so paying attention to those things the way the ways like men take up space and are encouraged to take up space, um, both literally and figuratively, and even food, like taking up resources. Um, has yeah, like been... you needed that more than she did. Yeah, exactly. I was like, no, like I'm cool. <laughs> but, um, I, so yeah, I think being able, like up until that point, it was so much of my understanding of like male privilege was not experienced and so being in these places where I can experience it and also I'm not so caught up and like I guess in like an insecurity and like needing to be seen as masculine now I'm sort of I have like all this free-for-all room to just critique it um um and critique it in a way that like other people can't necessarily defend themselves because I'm like these are my experiences like I'm no longer talking about your presumed privilege or like what I'm seeing you get different like your different treatment like I can just talk about mine right. you really like <laughs> say that and well. you can talk about it from both sides as well totally yeah absolutely um yeah that's one of my favorite things yeah it's like we're it's like we're double agents yeah, like, yeah. yeah totally yeah. Uh-huh. I was saying yeah. something about like men being disgusting and like no one no one like you know I didn't get any weird looks or whatever whereas if yeah. that was like before transitioning and I said that you know there'd be there'd be some women defending men or there, you know, there'd be men yeah. saying things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting how we can like the, the double-sided experience and then we're mm-hmm. able to, we're allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in, in, in a, in an extra, you know, screwed up way, we're actually seen as more desirable yes. for, for shitting on it. Like yes. all of a sudden I get this sort of like social capital for being a masculine person who thinks masculinity um, is like deeply problematic. Like, right. uh, you know, before people were like, oh, you know, you're just a, I don't know, like angry lesbian, like this and this and that. And yeah. then now they're like, oh, wow, you're so woke. And I'm like, I've been saying this yeah. stuff <laughs> right. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, how do we, how should we feel about that? You know, like, I think that's a whole other question because then we're kind of, that's also kind of disgusting if you think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And then, and then it, it causes this, like, I'm a huge, I'm, like, deeply afraid of this idea that, like, we should use our privilege to help others because it's, like, really hard to parse out when we're using privilege for us and when we're using privilege for other people and also whether or not we should be using our voices to advocate for people who do not have one right. uh, or have as loud as one. So it's, like, really, a, like, a difficult thing to navigate. Um, and it's... Yeah, and like you were saying, like it's like sort of like a. At that point, what do you do? Like right. at that point, is it? Do you use that room to speak up when you're in a group of like, like I mean, like some stuff I think are easy answers now. Like when I like, I can tell a guy, you know, to keep like keep his shit in check, and like, and especially in this climate of like, like the Me Too movement and stuff, like hold your friends accountable, and I have way more safety and privilege and being able to hold my male friends you know friends of all genders but predominantly male friends accountable for their actions or preventative um but at the same time it's like 
I don't want to, you know, come in through the front door and then try and sneak other people in through the back door. Mm -hmm. Like that, you, you, we can't like, I I don't want to like, one, I don't have all the answers and I don't know every trans experience. And two, um, I can't like sort of bask in the privilege and then like do some pro bono work on the side for people who don't have the same like assumed respect. I think it's important that like, you, you know, like you're, you're sharing your story and your experiences while also providing the space for other people, you know, to do the same and that you can use your voice to stand up for people, but also saying like, if you want to take over, like by all means, you Please, know? Yeah. 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 I hear that. I think that's kind of how like we've been trying to even just conduct the podcast of like trying to find like give everybody an opportunity to have a voice you know and the same kind of thing but like what you know we have no problem like stepping aside and letting us yeah. talk you know yeah and i think that's something that i feel like in our in our community specifically like really is a problem that th- there's a lot of people that don't uh don't know when to step aside you know or mm-hmm. don't or don't don't know when their voice is not necessarily welcome mm-hmm. for a conversation or or whatever it may be um and, you know, I think, uh, I think that hopefully that's something that people will work on, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, but that's something that I, you know, I struggle to witness cause it's like, it's not your space. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and especially as, as being a more binary, like trans masculine person, I see it too much. And it's like, you need to sit down. This is, this is mm-hmm. not, this is not the time for you to do this mm-hmm. or the place. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. It's like, you know, there are a lot of shared trans experiences, but we don't like walk the, we don't walk the earth in similar ways. Like, I think, um, I don't know if y'all know, like, Alok. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I went, they were at Berkeley um, over the summer. They did like a, like their like written, or their spoken performance. I think it's called Feminine Public. And one of the like strongest things that stuck out to me, um, amongst everything, like it was incredible. They're like amazing live. They're a great performer. But they said, um, like they they really took home the sen- like hit like home with the sentiment of like, imagine finally mustering the courage to like, you know, like self determination with your gender identity, and for people to hate you for it, and for people to, you know, like you know, chastise you for it and call you a man in a dress and like all of these things. And I think it wasn't, it wasn't until that, you know, I walked in, like, I definitely see us as, you know, siblings in the same fight, but it wasn't until right then where I realized how vastly different trans experiences can be because despite, you know, general transphobia that I face and despite difficulties with family and navigating my gender identity and all of that, I'm assumed more attractive now. Mm. Like people are, people are more attracted to me now. People think I look better now. Like people think a lot of those things. I think non-binary femme people experience the exact opposite of, which is a sort of like, like people with me, like I, and, and this is a problem too, but I'll get it all the time, like on dating apps or in public, if I'm at like a lesbian event or if I use the women's restroom, where they'll be like, oh, you're trans? Like, like you know, I'd still fuck you, though. Like, I've heard that. Like, as if, like, sort of my... It, it's super problematic because, like, my, valid, my validity is not t- 
tied to like your desire to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. But there's also this element of like, it's an acknowledgement that it's like this approval for being attractive. Right. Approval for like, I guess, sort of passing or whatever it is that like people are like, eh, I don't know how I feel about trans people, but like, at least good job. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think, and I like Alok's whole point was sort of like, not whole point, but one of their points was like, they don't get that. Right. Um, people, people chastise them for looking the way they do. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was in that moment where I was like, I can't imagine going through all of this and actually being more disliked yeah. by the world that's, around me. And be that's gonna very be super difficult. He- yeah, super heavy. Yeah. What have what have your experiences been with dating online and stuff? Because, you know, I've heard some good, I've heard some bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so I don't take it that seriously. So I have, I'm on Grindr because I had heard like, I am all for, like, tea for tea um, because I think trans people are best equipped to mm-hmm. be with other trans, trans people. people. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, not to say that we can't make mistakes. Definitely can make mistakes across. No, but, like, yeah, but I think it's also, like, nice to go in into it where you have this basic. very basic understanding. Yeah, exactly. You know, and even, but even, you know, obviously, I will acknowledge with other trans people, you know, being non-binary, it is difficult to also sometimes you do still have to explain that but at least there is this basic 101 type of thing that's already covered and there's it takes away all of that time and emotional work that goes into the the very beginning of shit that usually doesn't go very far exactly i would even imagine that uh you know with with trying to date a cis person on like a dating app or whatever. And that if they didn't have knowledge of trans stuff, I would imagine that would also be like by putting in that effort to teach someone, I imagine just simply doing that builds some sort of emotional connection. Like not, not saying like we're going to get married, but like mm. there's still some sort of like trust and connection that you're building. Right. Um, I'm also, I also tend to be a little bit more sensitive. So like, maybe it's just me, but, <laughs> but you know, I would imagine like I would build a little bit of a connection and that would be really devastating to then put like all that work into, you know, mm. explaining and making yourself vulnerable in that way. And then for somebody to not uh, receive it well, or to not be interested in continuing, that's going to yeah. be difficult too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's always this sort of like balance between, um, educating and like self-advocating like you know I will you know if if it's a if if it's a harmless question or if I'm just taking an opportunity to describe like explain parts of my identity that's fine but if you're gonna push back Mm -hmm. like if a cis person is gonna like push back I'm not really in the business of like defending myself online you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and like this is also dating you know like yeah it's like it's one thing if it's like a connection that's not that intimate but like I could never like you know yeah like how do you defend yourself to like mm-hmm. part? like that that sounds like a really stressful relationship to be in um yeah. so yeah my grinder experiences I generally only talk to other trans people on there and that goes well um that goes just fine um and then you get all sorts of unsolicited messages about well, I think pictures, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of unasked pictures. Like my my bio specifically says no unsolicited nudes. Like uh-huh. in all caps, doesn't matter. 
Um, <laughs> I saw another thing that's interesting is like I, my 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 picture is a picture of me, and then uh, my bio says trans, um, and people message me asking if I'm MTF, and I ah. think that's really. I I don't know what to take from that. I don't know. Like I don't want to reinforce that like j- identities have certain representations, but I don't know what it is about the picture of me that they then think are you MTF? And I it makes me wonder sort of how they treat MTFs on the app. Um, is that usually I, the initial like if someone's asking about that? Is that usually the first like no, intro? I, I yeah. No. Usually it's. No, it hasn't happened. Most people get that I'm FTM. I mean, I don't say identify with FTM, but like, whatever. I, yeah. If you're going to choose between the two, it would be FTM. Most people get that, but every now and then I get an F, uh, MTF question, and I'm just confused. Mm. I'm, I don't know what about my picture made you think that. But, um, That's so interesting. Yeah, a lot of unsolicited questions about genitals and like no first question about whether or not one you even have those genitals, two if you want them referred to that. that mm, oh way. yeah. No. And also if you <laughs> if you're, you know, quote unquote top or bottom, if you even mm-hmm. bottom, like there's none of that. There's just sort of a hey, I want to do X and then it's like, whoa, you're blocked. <laughs> yeah, like hi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, ask first. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you just ignore those, or how do you how do you typically um, handle it? Yeah, I ignore like ninety okay. percent of grinder messages. Like gotcha. I'm really on to sort of get plugged into more like sex positive trans spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tinder has a beautiful method where you have to swipe on them, right? Mm-hmm. So like I swipe very selectively, either other non-binary trans people or something about their bio shows that like intersectional politics is like a huge part of their identity and if they're if they care a lot about intersectional politics and they're queer identifying because like on tinder i'm like listed as female so that i get queer women um oh smart if, okay yeah so how does if, it, wait but how does that make you feel with having to put that with having to choose to do that knowing that if i did male i would get straight women it okay. makes me fine <laughs> because okay. i don't know if i don't think dating straight women would avoid really. them yeah <laughs> no yeah yeah for sure i just mean like for me if like if i had to think about putting myself in that position i don't mm-hmm. know if i could write female right well yeah i mean that's just this general overall especially for non-binary people but even i think i mean i don't want to speak um you know correct me if i'm wrong but even like you know trans identifying men um I feel like having to choose that, like, I, I feel like identifying as a man um, of trans experience and then being thrown into a p- dating pool of only straight women oh, no. is like, yeah, it's like no, very, sure. like, you at least want, I mean, I don't know, like, m- maybe some trans men are totally fine dating straight women and that's totally valid, but like, I feel like that's just the problem with like technology. Um, right. and just sort of any sort of thing that like breaks it down to a binary because it's like, how do you choose? Like TSA, totally. like I, I, I never go through TSA and tell them to click woman because that would be like, for me, like what I click when I'm first making a profile, like, and it never comes back to me, I don't mind. But like TSA, you walk through that every time you fly. And I'm from LA and live in the Bay. I go home about like once a month. And I cannot step into the scanner every time and say, oh, please click female. Like right. that, 
that would, you know, fuck me up. So um, that's like the whole, I mean, and that's the point, like the whole world is structured off of, you know, gender creation. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. we cannot do anything without yeah. choosing. Gender. And you we have can't. to ask yourself, like, if, if I'm checking female or male, who is that filtering towards me? And who is that filtering away from me? Because exactly. I'll go on Tinder and I'll change my gender mm-hmm. back and forth oh, between really? the two to get different matches because yeah. it will filter out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll yeah, filter I, out certain people. Yeah. And where I'm from, unfortunately, there are not a lot of queer people. So a lot of my time is spent. What I've noticed is I will match with straight women, straight cis women. Um, and then they will unmatch with me almost like almost immediately. Um, mm-hmm. The same will happen with cis men. Um, and then there's, hardly any queer people so mostly my experiences have been unmatched by cis people okay well that's why the name of our group chat is move to california <laughs> <Immediately>. <laughs> not to california is oh better than the midwest it's better i think <laughs> yeah well i imagine well so i have a friend who posted once on um his story he's also um trans that he tried to change his gender on Bumble, and it said that if you change your gender, you un- you lose all your matches, which I thought was wild because somehow Bumble, which is supposed to be like a woke dating app, um, thought that you might be a catfish or something if you're changing your gender, and that that necessarily your gender identity necessarily means that anybody who was talking to you before now wants nothing to do with you, right? <laughs> um, right, because I imagine because I I do like. I think it's really funny that I have lesbian abs and gay abs, like, because right. I'm like her too. And it's like, if I'm dating women, like, or if I'm, if I'm like, you know, trying to like match with women, I situate myself as a woman so that I can get queer women. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm going after, going after, that sounds predatory, but when I'm <laughs> playing with like male populations, I have to change my gender to male so that I could get the queer men. Like, mm-hmm. bottom line, I can't really date a straight person. <laughs> and that's kind of where you get stuck with like non binary identities, and there's not really any room for that. So, right. yeah. So, I imagine, I don't know, like if I was on Tinder swiping on women only, I would put my gender as women. But if I wanted to start swiping on men, if I didn't change my gender, I'd get straight men. And right. then, right. Mm-hmm. woman. So. That is so interesting. So I don't yeah. even know what I would do because like I like you were saying before, I don't think for me, it doesn't matter non-binary or not. I wouldn't date. I would not date straight cis women that would mm-hmm. not fit into my like values. Mm-hmm. I don't feel how I don't know that there's a way I could connect with a straight cis woman. Mm-hmm. You know, my partner is a cis queer woman. So like if I were to have to go on a dating app, I don't know what I would do because <laughs> I, like, you know, like I, I'm going to put yeah women i'm gonna identify as a woman and then look for the queer women but then that's yeah. but you know like i do identify as binary so then am i lying to them or i'm not you know what i mean like yeah i don't know it's it's interesting yeah. that, that you have kind of figured out how to navigate this best for yourself yeah and like and like c was saying you kind of have to choose situations where you aren't aren't comfortable with what like for example every time i buy a plane ticket I have to click, you know, female as my ticket because it needs to match my passport right. or it needs my ID. But when I go into the doctor, 
like I'll do mail or now like I'm, I'm getting blood tests and I still don't really have the answer to this. Like these sort of <laughs> periodic blood tests that they <laughs> check me on, like for like hormones and stuff. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't, it's all over the place. Like half my documents say male, half say female. <laughs> like my blood, my lab is always confused. They're like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know, please help me. Um, like just test whatever you're supposed to oh, test. <laughs> Like, what, if, if I'm okay? Just tell me I'm okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like, does it matter what you check? Like, I just want the yeah. results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, like, one time my blood work came out all wacky, and they were like, oh, it's, like, everything looked over, and they are like, oh, it's because we, you know, measured you against a woman's sample, and now you're on testosterone, and all that stuff. And, and it really just goes to show how, like, ignored, like, trans and non-binary people, or trans binary and non-binary people right. are in the creation of like literally every system. Yeah. Uh, like not to say that I want inclusion in the prison system, but like <laughs> prisons, uh, like how everything like prisons, medical, like insurance, like all of that is just predicated on this understanding that you are one gender and it's whatever you were assigned with at birth, which is aligned with your genitals. And, yeah. and then now navigating just like, the TSA and like your graduate, your diploma and like I have to get licensed as a lawyer, like all of those things. It's like, mm-hmm. where, what gender do you write? And does it need to match up with, like my birth certificate is from England. Like, does it need to match my British birth certificate? Like, oh, st- like random yeah. shit like that. Um, yeah. And where do you so, even find those answers more importantly? Exactly. And also yeah. like, who has the energy? Like, I, I mean, personally, I don't really care what yeah. anything government related says about my gender, but at some point something is going to look like I'm a fraud. Right. Like at some point they're going to think I'm crossing borders or something. Right. Well, so many other people care. You yeah. Know, it's exactly. not that like we because necessarily, yeah. it doesn't like weigh on us, but like, it seems like society as a whole really fucking cares what your name really and your gender care. like marker <laughs> yeah. is. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, I even unfortunately like, like I'll never change my gender marker because I'm not going to change it to male. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but I can't use like MX. You, you know, well, I, I didn't hear you. Oh, I don't know if you know. In California, there's a non-binary gender option. Well, I'm moving. I'm so. <laughs> you get the X. <laughs> oh my I god! Know that. California finally adopted that. It was Senate Bill 20-something. Um, so I, Alameda County, where I live, is a lot, has been allowing it. But California, in the most recent, like it was, pa- it was on the ballot, it passed. And I don't know how long ago now it's like okay to do. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been at least a few months. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was, so I worked at a name and gender change clinic all of last year, and it wasn't, by May, it still hadn't changed. So sometime between May and now, uh, like the the p- bill had passed, but it wasn't in effect, and now it's in effect. So you could have an X on your ID. Well, I'm moving to California in two weeks. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a beach. <laughs> we have a lot of beaches. <laughs> oh Ash, you God. lived in Santa Cruz, right? Ugh, yes. Uh, and, oh, that's an ugh? ugh that's an ugh. ugh. And have you been there? I have not. Oh my goodness. Is it? Is it? There's I've like, heard good things. I mean, okay, so the area, if you're talking about the, like, the beauty of it is, yeah. there, like, it's a gorgeous place. It's very pretty. Uh-huh. There's a lot of beautiful nature and trails and stuff, but I'm, I'm scoffing at the people that live there. 
Oh. There were just... Like, when C came to visit me, I don't think that I've... Like, the two of us, I don't think we've ever been stared at. Like, really? <laughs> as much as we were together. Mm-hmm. Even with like, all the white hippies. We were, like, the weirdest-looking <laughs> people to everybody else. And we, oh, yeah. weren't, we were not doing anything weird, you know? Um, yeah. It's not a cool place as far as the people, that, unfortunately. Um, I think that... So what I heard is that if you go to college there in Santa mm-hmm. Cruz, it's apparently a, a great queer environment at the actual yeah. college. Like UC Santa Cruz? Yeah, UC Santa yeah. Cruz. But outside of that college atmosphere, it's all the, um, you know, uh, middle-aged, middle-class, white mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who have never Probably seen... Probably Republican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, like, it's relatively, like, it's a beach town, so mm-hmm. the houses there must be expensive. And if yeah. you're a property owner out there, um, you must come from some money, which can often present yeah. whiteness and yeah. old age. Exactly. Uh, so how has LA been better, worse? Oh, it's great. It's great. You love it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I spend all time. Why did you choose LA? Oh, mainly because we were... LA and uh... Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. Say it again. Uh, why LA over, like, the Bay Area, I guess? Like, uh, SF? Well, price... I don't like big cities, so San Francisco was a little too intense for me. So uh, then naturally you chose LA. <laughs> yes. So I thought, but you know, I, I like where we live in LA. It's quite it, like we live on a quiet street, but we can walk right to, you know, sunset or whatever. It's super, yeah. super busy area and stuff, but it's quiet where we actually are. Um, you know, like we li- we rent a house. So to rent a house here is actually cheaper uh-huh. than San Francisco. You know, you wouldn't even find, you wouldn't even find a house in San Francisco necessarily that you can afford. So yeah couple of things like that but yeah we were gonna go back to seattle but we we ended up here oh you're from seattle uh my partner's from seattle but we were living oh. in seattle for the last three years oh okay i yeah. went to seattle in may for the first time did you love it i loved i thought it was really cute i thought pike's place would be this super touristy place but it actually seemed like really local and have like a really rich history and i thought that was cool um, I struggled to find queer scenes. And oh I my struggled. gosh! You should. I know. Me. I should have hit you up beforehand. I thought that. I was just gonna. I, my, I was in Capitol said, Hill too, which is like supposed to be the gay haven. It is. Um, when were you there? Because you must have missed something. <laughs> I was there in May. They all left for a week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is coming. Get out so, of here. Uh, I was just there last week, and I like the one thing that I said. I was like, I really miss that you could like you can't walk more than two feet without running into at least a queer person, if not a trans person. Oh, for real? Yeah. No, I, I definitely, that blew straight in my head. You missed it, <laughs> uh, yeah. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, well, next time you go, let me know, because there's okay. there's so many queer places. There's so many queer people. Yeah, like, Yeah, I was telling C, like, they need to go there and visit, because it's just like, you really cannot walk without running into somebody who's at least queer, if not just, yeah. you know, trans. I'm like, just walking through with my eyes closed. You <laughs> Your shades were too dark. <laughs> yeah, I was just sensing too hard. Yeah, um, uh, I mean that's yeah, that's that's good to know. I feel like it's like I'm learning how like important it is like when I travel to different places to just develop one or two queer connections yeah. in those places. Like, so I'm like vigorously on Tinder or something if I go to a new place, and I'm like, I'm here for one day. Like, we're probably yeah. not going to meet up, but like, I want to connect because I want to feel like I can travel to different states in the U.S. and 
feel comfortable and like know how to plug into safe places and fun places, um, fun clubs and stuff, like things like that. Like if I know you can navigate those places safely, it's more likely that I can too. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that you are you are my new Seattle rep. Yeah, I love Seattle. <laughs> Which once then I want to ask you, what is the place that you have visited that you just feel like the safest or the most comfortable being yourself? I think definitely Oakland. Um, okay. I think that I mean it's I guess it's not a place I've visited, it's a place I live right now. Okay. Um I cannot like how you feel about like like what you were saying about Seattle is how I feel about Oakland, but specifically, um, like everywhere I turn, I just feel like there's gender nonconforming people of color, which I feel like is extra important to me because, um, I mean, some of it, is, I mean, some of it is kind of like quote unquote superficial stuff. Like I listen to music that more people of color listen to so I feel like I can go out to a club and get down and be comfortable with the music and with the people around me and like can sing along to the songs and stuff like that so there's definitely like a social aspect to it we're plugged into the same tv shows we're like all of that but then there's also this understanding that like our queerness does not necessarily negate other important aspects of our identity like to come across trans Iranian people I'm Iranian like that is pretty hard to do like I have three like transgender non-conforming Iranian friends and like that's about it but it's not necessarily that I need them to have every aspect of my identity I just need to know that like transness or queerness is not the only thing because like I cannot feel like I need to silence um like immigration status or um or uh, or not status I guess immigration history like mm-hmm. being you know zero gen or whatever like moving to the U.S. myself or mm-hmm. just like racism or islamophobia or whatever it is like i need to know that like those also have space and not just like queerness versus everything else mm-hmm. um, not like so, your queerness has to drown out every, yeah, exactly. every other aspect like of your I'm, identity like, sort of, like, choosing sides because um, i do feel like you know our queer and transness is a large part of it but a lot of people forget like we're totally. so many other things than just mm-hmm. our gender identity totally yeah and like for me honestly like I would not like I don't want to rank and like no one should feel like they need to rank but like the loudest aspect of my identity that has shaped my everyday thoughts and stuff is definitely gender like that has, you know I'm I've been raised Iranian I speak the language I know the food all of that but what I think about every day is gender what I walk every day walk into every situation it's with an understanding that I'm trans before it's necessarily an understanding that I'm like Iranian Mm-hmm. Uh, like my family is Muslim or something like that. Like for me, it is the most, I guess, threatened part of my, what, it's the first thing I need to consider when I'm navigating like safety or relationships. Um, and Did you so, always feel that way? For as long as I have been conscious or like willfully conscious okay. about uh, I, I guess like sexuality came first and then throughout navigating that like came to sort of a gender thing mm-hmm. okay. um, that has been the sort of like I remember when I first was like a lesbian like I never identified as that but like when I first realized I was like pretty gay um, <laughs> I could not go a second without thinking I was gay like I, and like like first it was like I was like you know coming to terms with it in my own head so of course it was really loud but at some point I decided okay I'm like I'm pretty gay like 
I'm gonna date girls and I'm gonna like go after this. And then I, even when I had a girlfriend, I still woke up every day being like, whoa, like you're gay. Like I never <laughs> shut the fuck up. And I, I thought I, way I would get over it. And I still wake up every day and I'm like, here's another trans day. Like, <laughs> like it, it doesn't quiet down. I feel uh, the same way though. Like, I feel like mine, it's, I've been on hormones for over th- almost four years. And it's like, I still wake up every morning. Like one of the first thoughts I have is something to do with me being trans. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I, I don't know, for me, that hasn't gone away. I, I think it was the same as when I identified as gay too. Like just, it was always on my mind. It was such a, I, I would love to identify more strongly with other parts of myself but like this is definitely the strongest thing for a while now and Mm -hmm. i wonder if it's just like you know i'm 30 now like i i didn't transition until i was you know 20 27 so like i wonder at some point will that stop being the most important thing will that not be like how you're saying will that not be as loud and it'll Mm -hmm. you know there'll be something else that's louder I, i don't know yeah yeah and it's hard because it's like uh like to some extent what feels loudest is what we've struggled with the most. You know what I mean? Like yes. part, like how I paint the most painful experiences in my life personally mm-hmm. are things that were cornerstoned on like gender non-congruence or gender identity or like gender dysphoria. But I hope that there's a time where this is the loudest thing, not from a place of pain, but from a place of, uh, of like and not for like right now it's I don't every time I think about my identity as a trans person I don't I'm, I'm not in pain but like right. I hope that it's painted in a light that is not so tied to I had to fight tooth and nail for this and that you also and have to consider like all the repercussions of identifying you know mm-hmm. or just being trans you know yeah and it's like yeah I did if if someone told me two years ago that if I started doing this and my life would look this different, I probably would have said no. I would have been like, no, I'm good. I like my life where it's at. Because every it, you have to come out every day. Yeah. Um, you know, in obvious ways like TSA and stuff, but even when you're having conversations like the Kavanaugh hearings and like like all of these things, and you like before you give your opinion, like you don't you never like I never need to out myself. I mean, I can't out myself because everyone really already knows, but like and I want it that way, but like you cannot, like, I feel like I cannot engage in a conversation with, that, with some of them necessarily understanding that this is a trans perspective. Um, it's not the trans perspective, but every perspective that I have, especially about gender and sexual assault and gender oppression and all of those things, is necessarily predicated on the fact that, you know, I have, you know, I'm trans and like I've lived both or like whatever. Like, those are very important in how. I understand things. So it's also just realizing that every single way that I see the world is somehow informed by the fact that um, I'm trans. I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and like, again, I guess it comes back to, again, like, I wonder if that ever changes for, for any of yeah. us. Right, know? right. Because yeah. I don't see how it could. Like, mm-hmm. for me, I don't see how it could. Because, you know, like you're saying, you know, it, there's such two two vastly different experiences from being you know, how you're born and raised and then what you are now, like, that's such a different experience. How could you just let go of, you know, how could you one day just, oh, I I had enough of that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like I said, Mm -hmm. like you can strip, you can strip the pain from it totally. Distance yourself from that. That is absolutely valid. And anything, you know, 
any way people decide to deal with their transness is valid. Like I'm not in the business of saying what is and isn't, but I see the desire to like strip the pain from my journey, but I cannot imagine stripping the experience. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot imagine wanting my life to have started at 23. Right. You know? Well, I think it's, I think from my own experience, it's definitely shaped me. I'm, I yeah. imagine, you know, you feel yeah. the same just based on this conversation, but yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, I think he plays like a huge part for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I think without, you know, the experiences and the interactions with people because of our identity, like maybe we wouldn't necessarily be the people that we are for mm-hmm. sure. today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember I used to talk to my therapist about, um, how like mad I was, I was going like, you know, I was going through all this pain and like, you know, now paying for all this therapy for something that other people are just given when they're born Mm -hmm. and how hard that was for me that all I'm doing, I'm going through this much effort just to start at the status quo of most people. Like, do I wish we lived in a world where people didn't have to quote unquote come out as trans because like we never assume gender identity and all that. Yes, absolutely. But like, for me, I do feel blessed to have had the ability to have this relationship with Jen Mirren. Definitely. And, and like, Lord knows, like, I think about this all the time. If I was born a Persian boy in my household, <laughs> the way they glorify boys, I would have been a huge asshole. Like, yeah. I would have I been the worst of the mm-hmm. worst. And like, I'm proud of who I am today, and I'm proud of my connection with women and my critiques of masculinity and I really don't think those would have came if I was born. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. It mm-hmm. would have been a we would have had a, I would have had a very different mindset and a way very different way of uh you know just conducting myself in mm-hmm. the world if that if I was born male or you know um, Yeah. I would definitely be a different person. So I think that you know I think it happens for a reason. Um, yeah and then we yeah. get to choose if it's a good reason or not i guess you know yeah 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 <laughs> as as yeah and i know we were talking earlier about um like the hardships of like dating while trans but i think there's also this element of like we have room to create relationships that aren't predicated on gender the way they have been so i think one of the biggest things i think about is like the blessing of being able to find and create love that I would have never created if I was born. Like if I was born male and dating straight feet, like straight women, um, I if I was assigned male at birth and I was dating straight women, I would, would have never been able to create the sort of intimacy that is now like so, I can't imagine life without. Doesn't the thought of that just kind of like bore you? Just like I know, right? Like, <laughs> like, I would have been, like I wouldn't have been, you know, like, like sexually and like all of that stuff yeah oh my gosh yeah Which so then i want to ask you about the monogamy stuff too because like you had brought yeah. that up before so like has that ch- has that something that has is new for you or is that something that you've always you know yeah you know? um no yeah so i think um i think early on um i I had this experience where I was, I was, I like, I never really like came out as gay. So I don't like really, I don't have a word for it. But like when I decided to start acting on sexual preferences that did not include cis cis men, um, I very quickly um, 
found someone that like I had a really deep connection with and we became uh, like we were dating for about like three years. Um, and very early on, I knew like sort of this like, like how gay I really was where I was like, oh shit, like I need to explore um, because I started doing this at 20 and if I could have done this at 16, I would have been Mm-hmm. a wild mess and so like I kind of part of me understood that at some point I need to experience those things like it, it didn't I had to be careful of making sure it didn't like it wasn't caught up in like sort of toxic ideas of like my worth as a queer person or a trans person like if I had like a tally of women I had slept with I wanted to make sure I didn't you know walk down that path but at the same time I was like I did not get to like sexually advance in the ways that I wanted to like I tried and I hated it and Mm -hmm. so I kept a lot of my sexual desires to myself um so I I always knew that it was something I needed to do but I never thought of it in terms of non-monogamy until um about in the until pretty much when I started hormones so I thought it was just something I would have to get out of my system and like move away from okay but I think um I think Part, hormones have done a lot for me, but like one of the things is sort of redefine my relationship with my body in a way that's like solely mine. Like only like you, like other people can have impact on my heart and on my mind, but like my body is mine. Um, and I think if I see sex as experience, I mean, sex definitely has like super intimate emotional aspects to it. I'm like, I, I'm full disclosure the type that like sometimes cries. Oh my God, <laughs> like, that's so I, sweet. Like I am like I can be very like emotionally vulnerable in sex, but um, if I think about sex as an experience in my body with another body, okay. um, then like that is like mine, and like that is what I and the person I want to sleep with. Um, define for ourselves and so I started to realize that this isn't just something I need to get out of my system this isn't just this experience this is like a radical change and how I understand me with my relationship to my body with my relationship to another person mm-hmm. um, and because of that I started to like really feel like non-monogamy like was the choice for me and unfortunately um, throughout during that time things with my partner sort of for that and a bunch of other reasons sort of um, fizzled out. Then I, I, I had to ask myself whether or not that was like a cornerstone on how I wanted to move forward in relationships, whether like how important openness was. And I've just really realized that, especially, you know, full disclosure, like testosterone really ups your sex drive in a way that is wacky and wild. <laughs> and I would feel bad for any one partner that I put all of that like labor on. Um, and I want... Obviously, it's super important for me for every sexual encounter to be obviously consensual and then also just like mutually eager. Um, And so I was really wary of putting this sort of like pressure to perform on like one partner. Um, So for sort of that very like practical reason of like, I don't want you to think that you need to sleep with me every time like I'm horny. Uh, And then also just this broader idea of like, how I want to experience my body with other people should be like my prerogative and not a function of like ownership or insecurity of a partner. Um, really informed 
um, the sort of, obviously open relationships are hard. Like you need to both be on board, like power dynamics can be tricky, especially if it's like a more masculine person with a more feminine person and mm-hmm. what, how we understand sexual relations and stuff like all of that has to be talked about constantly. But yeah, it just came down to like one, I don't want to put the onus of like satisfying every sexual desire on you. And two, um, I want my relationship with the world and with other people in the world to be mine and like not a function of any understanding of relationships that like Mm -hmm. assumes ownership. And for you to have the openness to be able to maybe explore different types of relationships with different types of people. Right. Also, yeah, like different gender identities, absolutely as well, especially if my partner is cis and it's important to me to feel Mm -hmm. connections with other trans people, like either sexually or just like intimately. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that that decision to open yourself up to non-monogamy, how do you think that has helped you or, or, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the most positive thing you can say about it as for, as far as right now? I think um, I think the biggest thing for me has been this sort of like um, hearing stories about not necessarily my friends, but just I, I think it's somehow I all like not to say that there's one right way, but like my personal like feelings is that I feel a like quote unquote above a lot of day-to-day problems that okay. like non-monogamous relationships might feel really deeply. Like I think of this sort of like a lot of times people's like, I think about it this way. Like if my, if I was monogamous with a partner and they went out and made out with somebody at a club, I wouldn't be upset about like their lips touching another person's lips I would be upset that they consciously made the decision to disrespect my relate like our relationship in order to go do that thing. Mm-hmm. And when you start with the predication that like me kissing another person is not disrespect, it is like a exercise of my authority, then I really do not care like whose lips your lips touch. Okay. Um, so I think for me, the biggest thing that has happened is like this investment in each other's experiences that does not necessarily opposition put it in opposition to how much you value our relationship. Mm, like okay. I feel excited for my partner to go out and experience their body. They feel excited for me to go out and experience my body. And while there is insecurity and there is conversations about boundaries and this and that, it's not assumed that it's like it's inherent disrespect um, gotcha. to the relationship. Like because, like, the intentions behind it maybe are exactly. different. Like, it's exactly. not necessarily, like, the actions, quote-unquote, could uh-huh. be the same, but your, maybe your communication and your intentions behind it are more right. open and right. just transparent. Right. And we could have, like, there are boundaries that are, like, like little weird things that, like, you, you, like, might not be as big of a deal as, like, having sex with somebody else. But to us, those were things that, did we did want protection around mm-hmm. um but the use of your body with another like consensual like consenting adult just like didn't seem like something that was that like i guess i wanted to like burden myself with like fearing i guess mm-hmm. it's also just so much effort to like i feel like i would just stress about like <laughs> you know 
yeah. that. <laughs> I guess it depends what you're looking for, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. I think yeah. um, I think this is predicated on t- me and my partner wanting sexual exploration, like right. feeling, right, like if we had no desire, then I think the cost-benefit analysis would look differently, but like Absolutely. We, we have this desire to experience these things, and if we were going to opposite like put that in opposition to like uh respected respecting one another then it was just gonna be a mess absolutely Mm -hmm. and i think it takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to you know even say that let alone actually do it you know yeah or or i shouldn't say it it must but i think in the healthy ways at least it would take the self-awareness that you're expressing because Mm -hmm. that that is you identifying that that's something that's really important to you and and obviously you're your partner or whoever you were talking about the same thing and and to be able to have those conversations and say like this is what i really need i think is super important um yeah and and i think that you know it's something that i think a lot of people end up struggling with when they do start taking testosterone because like you said like your sex drive is so increased that it can be very difficult to figure out how to digest that in a healthy way and and Mm -hmm. if you are having if you are in a relationship or you have a partner it, like you said, it can be really difficult to figure out like, how do I not put this on my partner and make them feel, you know, pressured into this stuff, but also mm-hmm. have my own needs met with what it is I am wanting out of all mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sort of just <laughs> made me realize how personal our connection, like how, like how personal my connection with my body is and how mm-hmm. little room I'd given my body to be mine up until that point. Absolutely. How- people decide what I do with my body and now when I'm like you know what I can I can put whatever hormone I want in my body like so, like after like being able to decide that and being able to push back against all of that I was like okay I can also decide what I do with my body with another person For sure. who also has that freedom to choose yeah. yeah do you think without transitioning you would have been open to that I think I can't imagine how I would have seen it without transitioning because mm-hmm. I, I know I still wanted to experience other people, um, but I don't know if I would have found this feeling of being so in tune and in control and like have so much authority over mm-hmm. the balance of like my skin. So. so this is something that's helped you then? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I I used to think I can stop at any time. And while I still can stop like hormones at any time, I'm like, this just keeps getting better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. (laughs) It's a cool feeling, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that uh, you were the way you're expressing like that the hormones allow you to really just feel these things that you have probably previously felt, but didn't have the comfort with yourself to really actually explore yeah. Um, so this was this was probably within you, you know, for for a while, but you know now you are finally at a place where it feels good and comfortable mm. to actually do it, which is yeah. Cool. I can I can parallel it to all sorts of experiences that make it seem more worthy. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have to get off at six thirty? I don't. I don't. Uh. Yes. Soft six thirty. Okay. It was. Well, is there any? Is there anything that you want to make sure we hit in the next six I to eight like minutes? I feel like covered more grounds than I even expected to cover. So <laughs> I'm pleased. Well, we can always do it again, too. 
Yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Podcast or not, I'm just trying to be you guys' friends. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Transitional Wisdom Podcast. If you feel you would like to share your story or if there's a topic you would like us to discuss, please email us at nash at transitionalwisdom.org or visit our website at transitionalwisdom.org. Make sure to subscribe and throw us a few stars if you feel like it. And hey, thank you. Who knew this would happen? A magic potion could save my life. Who knew that these feelings had a name? I'm worthy of change, same as you are. Mirror, mirror, don't you judge me, don't you dare. Who knew I was capable of loving? Who was there staring back? I said staring back.
Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Transitional Wisdom Podcast. If you feel you would like to share your story or if there's a topic you would like us to discuss, please email us at nash at transitionalwisdom.org or visit our website at transitionalwisdom.org. Make sure to subscribe and throw us a few stars if you feel like it. And hey, thank you. Who knew this would happen? A magic potion could save